What's up? It's the Deep Cover Podcast back on the scene, crispy and clean, coming off of a Ravens win week one of the 2022 NFL season against the Jets up there in the Meadowlands. Man, it was a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Always when you get those dubs, uh, you love to see it. And there's so much to talk about out of that game and to look forward uh, to their week two opponent, the home opener against the Miami Dolphins. That's got a whole other storyline in it. Everybody been talking about that all day on Twitter. <laughs> but we're going to chop all of it up. Before we do, touch base with my guys, Kerry and Chris. I'll start with you, Kerry. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Happy to be talking about a real game, like something really tangible to kind of break down. It just feels like so many hypotheticals all this whole time, you know, none of the, you know, starters or, you know, really, really important guys played during preseason. So it's just been a long time since we've seen a, a lot of these players, man. So, you know, a lot to unpack. I'm, I'm ready to get to it. It does feel good to talk about real football because we talked about every other damn thing under the sun. Uh, <laughs> even during the preseason, even when we had preseason football, we were still on some, you know, just, just not us, but, you know, just the, the, the conversations that were out there, just just tripping. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Chris, how's it going, man? I'm doing well, man. Like, like Kerry said, I'm excited to actually talk about stuff on the field that happened that we could see, not – uh, negotiations that are have happening behind closed doors that we are not privy to. <laughs> what we are privy to is what happened on that field. So I'm excited to talk about that because that we can actually see. Absolutely. We're going to get right into that. We don't have to speculate. We don't have to fill in any gaps because we don't get to know what's going on. Like you saw, we, we saw, you know, so we can, we can trust our eyes and talk about what we saw, what we thought about it. So, Let's let's take a look back at that Jets game, that 24-9 win uh, that the Ravens really were able to to take control of that game. Um, and you know we go we gonna do a little something new this year. We're gonna try out a couple segments. You know we have some segments idea, some segment ideas for the show. You know kind of cool to create some predictability. You know some some stuff that people can kind of look forward to and anticipate. So kind of a way that we can wrap this in to this new segment that uh you know we're gonna try out for y'all we're gonna call this one vibe chat so i'm gonna start with you again carrie take it any way you want you know how we do uh looking back at that jets game whether it's offense defense special teams coaching you know play whatever what was the vibe for you uh in that jets game yeah so vibe for me is um, our new defensive coordinator, Mr. McDonald, uh, is giving me 2023 head coach vibes. Mm. <laughs> I was very, very impressed with the flow, the um, creativity in which he showed um, his ability to kind of leverage guys in different positions, whether it be uh, Harrison playing Sam, um, Marcus Williams. I, I I hadn't seen him um, play as close to the line of scrimmage and blitz as much as he did um, in that first game in New Orleans. So that was a you know a, a wrinkle that um, was fun to see. Um, seeing um, how much Patrick Queen was used as a blitzer. Um, just, uh, you know, a lot of different things. Um, for me, play calling on offense and defense uh, is uh, kind of like a field thing. You know, it's more art um, than, than science. Um, and I think he has just a, a way, a, a feel for the game. And also uh, kind of like a, a – a level of confidence, but not overconfidence. He knows when to kind of, um, you know, let the game come to him, let the calls come to him. So, you know, just a very, very balanced uh, approach. So, you know, I, I was very, very impressed with him. And I think he's just kind of scratching the surface of, of what he's going to bring to the table. And I think by the end of the year, he's going to be on a lot of people's list for, um, for head coaching candidates. Man, I like that call. I like that call. Of course, 
you know, you, you hate to see him go after one year. You know, you're assuming that the defense plays really well. They have a lot of success on that side of the ball. But let's say uh, the defense and, and the whole team overall plays so well that they, they get to the to the Super Bowl and get them a chip. Well, then, hey, then I won't feel this bad. You know, <laughs> I still wouldn't want him to go. But I'd be like, well, you know, we got the Super Bowl win. So, you know, hey, you know, on the greener pastures, I get it. Um, Chris, I'll come to you now. Now, on our last show, when we kind of were peeking ahead at this game, you said you were supremely confident about the Ravens in this game. So you already had a vibe going into this one. <laughs> Was there anything that happened on the field um, that that uh, kind of changed that? Like, you, you know, something new where you're like, hey, nah, this is this is what I thought was going to happen. Uh, it, the defensive line. Like, I, I mean, all preseason, it just looked like, you know, these dudes were legit. And uh, when you see the backups balling out and playing at a level that is just where you're like, damn, how are we going to fit all these guys on the roster? When you're talking about Aaron Crawford, you're talking about Isaiah Mack, you know, those kind of guys. And now we got to see the actual big boys. We saw Calais. We saw Matabike. We saw Broderick Washington. And they all did their thing, you know. And Michael Pierce, too. Michael Pierce was just – like he turned the clock back. Um, he was all over the damn place. So um, it was great to see them and, and great to see them actually just like have Joe, like <laughs> Joe just looked like, it was like, what the hell is going on out there? Like, <laughs> and then and, and the, the way that these dudes move too, it just, it's like a shock because these aren't your normal, defensive tackles like these are athletic dudes athletic freaks who can go sideline to sideline if they need to so to watch them work and watch them dominate and pretty much set the tone for the game because that's where it looked like the energy was coming from from the front and uh justin houston too and you know he's part of that line even though he's an outside linebacker but in early in that game he was setting the tone of what was expected of that that front seven and uh, he came and, and he went to work, too. So major props to the to the guys rushing the passer. Yeah, man, that defensive line, man, it was it was crazy. I mean, we hadn't really got a chance to see a lot of some of those guys, like you mentioned, during the preseason. You know, my BK was hurt early on, but he came in and played a little bit uh, in the Cardinals game. I don't know if he played in the Commanders game. Um, I think we saw a little bit of Pierce in maybe that first game, like just a few snaps. But, I mean, Matt BK, man, going up against Lakin Tomlinson, who's a vet in this league, I mean, he gave that dude crazy work. <laughs> crazy work. And then Pierce, like you mentioned, how about your 340-pound nose tackle dropping back in the coverage and forcing a fumble? <laughs> He's like an inside linebacker out there jumping back uh, in, into coverage and punching that ball out. So, man, I mean, that, that front line, you 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 nailed it, man. I mean, they did work. I mean, I guess for me, the vibe for me, big plays. Big plays on offense, big plays on defense. Uh, you know, offense, three touchdown passes for Lamar, you know, I think uh, took him a little while to get comfortable. Not really, because, I mean, they had some easy stuff for him that they kind of designed early in the game, little boots and stuff like that to get the ball out quick. But just to get – I wouldn't say get comfortable, probably not the, the best word, but to develop that rhythm and kind of find, find some consistency because he hadn't played in a regular season game in, what, eight months? Yep. So for him to do what he did in terms of throwing those three touchdown passes, it was something we talked about last year and, you know, kind of riffing on Harbaugh's comments about – you know, we weren't scoring touchdowns. You know, I mean? we're moving the ball up and down the field, but we're not scoring touchdowns. But you get a 25-yard pass to DuVernay, a 17-yard touchdown pass to DuVernay, and then a 55-yard bomb to Bateman. And those are the kind of big plays that we know that they can run the ball and they can get the ball to Andrews and stuff like that. But if you can add that big explosive play element back into the offense, you know, they've had it before, obviously going back to 19, 20, whatever. But if you can add that back, into the offense again this year, in addition to what you can do, you know, kind of your core stuff. And then on defense, those big plays, interceptions, forced fumbles, turnovers. I mean, Marcus Williams, man, that dude played with a different kind of energy. There's a different kind of energy to that guy. I mean, he's at just the way he moves around the field. 
uh, there's something different about that cat. So that was the vibe for me. Big plays, big plays on offense, big plays on defense. And, you know, if you can do that um, game in and game out this year, you're going to be a handful. You're going to be hard to deal with uh, for opponents. Um, so before we move away from this game, though, I think we kind of touched on the things that kind of stood out to us. Um, I'd be remiss, I guess. I hate doing it because it's kind of a bummer. If we didn't talk about injuries that came out of that game, because they were significant ones, unfortunate. Um, you know, you had Kyle Fuller and um, Juwan James, both suffering season-ending injuries in the first game. So, you know, Chris, I know you talked about it with Juwan James. It's, you know, you hate to see any any season-ending injury, but for him, you know, suffering that Achilles, again, the same Achilles, um, you know, you hate to see that. But what's your kind of feel, you know, in these injuries, I mean, in terms of guys who are going to have an opportunity to come in and, and replace them? I mean, we, we know the hive was in full effect. I mean, you hate to see a guy go down, but we know the hive was in full effect when Makari came in there at left tackle. What, what, what's your thoughts on these injuries and kind of moving forward? Uh, I mean, like you said, man, the Jawan James one sucks because, you know, you have a guy who worked his way back and dealt with injuries for the past few years. And uh, he looked really good, like, even in the preseason. Like, the first game of the preseason, it was like, oh, it's a little shaky. Then the second game, you're like, okay. And then a little bit in the third game, you're like, all right, he looks comfortable there. Like, he looks like he, you know, he can be average or maybe even above average. Then week one, he's still looking good. And I, I don't think people appreciate just how athletic he is. Like, there's times where he was pulling to the right side and he was out quicker than Morgan Moses was on some plays. So I don't think people appreciate just how athletic that dude is. And uh, for him to go down, that just sucks for him personally and obviously for the team too. Um, but like we said, there's a guy who I've been saying should be who I thought should have been the left tackle to begin with. Um, and that's Patrick McCurry. So, um, you know, this very familiar spot that he was in last year, just on the opposite side when he had to play right tackle. Now he's going to have to step in a similar situation and, and play left tackle until Ronnie comes back, whenever that is. So um, hopefully he can hold it down. Uh, there was some ugly pass, uh, pass uh, pro uh, reps there, but uh, I think he settled down. Uh, but I, it's, it's so difficult for guys to just come off the bench cold uh, and have to go up against a, a pass rusher who's already warmed up and, and juiced up and is familiar with the, the speed of the game. So I think that that had to do with it a little bit and uh, definitely not really playing it in the preseason either. Didn't help him where he was mostly playing center. So um, hopefully uh, he'll be able to hold it down and, uh, you know, protect the fort until until Ronnie comes back. Yeah, I mean, all the offensive line guys, all the guys in that room talk about him and they call him a unicorn just yeah. because of his ability to play all five positions and play them well. You know, is it is it all pro level? No, but that's why all pro is a select group of people. If it was everybody, yeah, anybody can do it. So, but is it is it? Competent is it, you know, sort of you know, quality starting, you know, kind of coming quality replacement level play. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think it's that. And, you know, we talked about him a lot last year when he was at right tackle before he got dinged up and started having some injuries. I thought he was playing it as well as anybody out there at right tackle. I mean, he was he was in rhythm and in a groove there for a while. Go back to that Chargers game and see him, you know, matched up against Bosa. And, you know, he, he pretty much shut that down, you know, for, for the most part. Um, Kerry, what about you, man? You you can um, you know kind of share your thoughts too on that Jawan James injury and and Kyle Fuller too. Uh, they actually signed uh, a DB today, TJ Carey, uh, to the practice squad. A veteran guy that's been around. Um, hopefully, Marcus Peters will get back soon. I think. I know Ronnie practiced today. Her JK practiced today. I think Peters practiced today too. So I mean, a lot of a lot of these guys are continuing to to get in practice reps and work their way back, but. Um, what do you think, man? What do you think they do going forward here? Yeah. Well, first thing I want to say is I, I don't care who told you what 
as far as Makari at tackle, but I promise you Chris was the first person that put Makari at tackle out there. So yeah. You didn't hear it nowhere else. Yeah, nowhere yeah. Else. You might you might see it on your TL or you know wherever else, but I, I promise you, Chris had it first. Um, so you know, just want to put that out there. Um, as far as these injuries, man, um, it, it sucks for both guys. Uh, you know, Fuller, uh, you know, was working his way back. He, you know, he was you know more of a heralded guy uh, coming into his career. Had some setbacks. But I was excited for him to be able to play in his defense, and I thought that he was going to be kind of like a stabilizing force as that third corner who early on, you know, was going to play more of a role, um, you know, as a number two guy. Um, but I, I thought he was just like a super solid vet um, who could just give you quality snaps. Um, so, I mean, it sucks to see him go down. Same thing with Jawan James. I mean, we see all that he went through physically to get back. And then for him to get back and to play well enough to be able to start uh, the season at, at left tackle and then go down like that, you know, just sucks. So, you know, uh, heart goes out to both of those guys. But it, it, it brings me back to the depth, the the preparedness that this Ravens uh, front office had because when you look at it, they're well-prepared to absorb these in, in both areas and, and, and really be able to push forward. You know, not only do you have Ronnie Stanley and Marcus Peters, you know, waiting in the wings to come back at these spots, you got depth. You know, you got a, a Pepe Williams who flashed in the slot in the preseason. Um, even on the practice squad, you know, I tweeted out that our Darius Washington should be the guy that I would call up and you know, bring him in and be that that slack guy who gives you some versatility. Uh, but Brandon Stevens, man, and, you know this dude is impressive, man. Um, you know, long physical athlete um, who you know has a ha- just has a playmaking sense to him. You know, he he, he goes about things in an aggressive manner. So, you know, I think they're going to get quality reps from him. Obviously, you got Makari there, uh, who's going to fill in at, at tackle. Um, but you know they 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 also have other depth at both of these spots. So you know you know you know how I like to say insurance on your insurance. The Ravens made sure they did it at both spots, and 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 thank goodness they did because losing two guys like this this early, depending on your depth, could kind of bury you early. I mean, it could be week one and. and you're looking at things like, ah, I don't know if we have enough to really, really contend, you know, if, if certain guys don't don't come back because, you know, they aren't just quality tackles and quality corners just, you know, falling out, falling out of trees right now. You know, mm-hmm. it, you know, everybody is, is holding tight to every quality player they have in those positions. So, you know, thank goodness that the, the Ravens, um, you know, took their approach that they did to make sure they had more than enough um, to kind of get them through the season. So, um, you know, it sucks to see those guys go down, but I think it's going to be opportunities to be had for some young players on, on this team on both sides. Insurance for your insurance, man. You've been saying that for a long time. That's the first <laughs> thing I thought about, uh, you know, when those guys went down. I said, man, Gary's been preaching that, um, you know, the Ravens really tried to build that into this roster. So that they be be you know better able to withstand these kinds of things um, based on how last season went, and so you never want to say like you're um, you're better off when guys get injured. That's not true, but you're you're prepared. You know you feel like you've got some guys who can come in and who can play, and it's not like a, a fall off the cliff kind of drop off. You know between the guy that was there and the guy that has to come in. And, you know, look, the injuries are terrible no matter when they happen. It's not like when they occur in the game changes that. But, man, you know, Fuller, a minute 22 left in the fourth quarter. Man has played 80 of the 84 snaps in the game. It was only, you know what I mean? He only played 95% of the snaps in the game. And then that happens. And then um, I don't want to be a spoiler here. You need to go check out Coach Evans on Twitter. This is the tally films. <laughs> video on how Hamilton is where you'll see it um, on YouTube. But let's just say something that happened after that play when Fuller was injured that some would say was a bitch move 
So <laughs> I'm leaving it at that. You can go uh, check out Coach Evans' video and get uh, kind of the whole uh, scope of his thoughts on what went down there. <laughs> but um, just to touch on some of the stuff you guys both mentioned, um, you know, I, I do think that they're better positioned this year to deal with these kinds of things than they were last year. You know, Makari, like, like, you know, you said, Kerry, nobody called it earlier than Chris. Um, I don't care what you think. If you're sitting at home, like you said, they, oh, no, 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 I thought Makari could play. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Chris <laughs> had already planted it. He planted that seed in your mind. You just don't. He, he, he inceptioned you. You don't even know. And he put that in there. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what it was? It was his play at guard in the preseason last year that just had me sick to my stomach. And I said, that dude is a tackle. Like He has tackle feet. He has tackle movement skills. He just doesn't have the tackle body. So his play at guard is what made me sick. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> There's different ways to get there. You saw it. <laughs> you saw it. That's the bottom line. That's all that matters. Um, but, you know, you've got him who can come in and, and give you some snaps there. Um, and Kerry, you mentioned it, like there's not much out there on the street. I mean, we've seen guys like Jason Peters get signed, Brandon Shell. I mean, people people kind of clown me when I said it, but I kicked the tires on KO. Shoot, get him up <laughs> get him up in here, get him on the practice squad, let him get some practices under his belt. Oh who? Uh Osimba. I get KO again. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Okay. Why why not? People say like he played in two years and you know he had all these injuries. All of that is fair. I, I can't, you know, I, I really uh, can't make a strong argument against those things for people that feel that way. But just because of the point that you may carry about, you know, there being so little, you know, it's like looking for, for toilet paper during the height of the pandemic. There was nothing, you know, you could, there was nothing to be found nowhere. <laughs> and so with these tackles, that's pretty much what's going on. There's nothing to be there. There's nothing to be found nowhere. And look, I love KO when he was here, uh, even when he went to the Raiders. I think he still played really well out there for a couple of years before the injuries really started uh, to kind of set in on him. So, you know, he's not like that one ply toilet paper that you had to settle for when you couldn't find nothing else. This is, you know, this is name brand stuff, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so bring it in, see what it can do, you know? If it turns out that, hey, you know, he's – He's he's not gonna be able to, to get it done. You know, we don't we don't like the way that this looks. Um then, you know, hey, no no harm, no foul. But in some ways it's it's, it's gotta be somewhat similar to James, right? How long had James been out? Before like three years. So yeah. I mean I had to look up KO. I think the last time KO played Wasn't was it with the Chiefs? Yeah, he had to, yeah, I didn't even know that. When I looked it up, I was like, Oh, he was I think he actually was like the reports were that he looked good during the during camp and stuff like that, and then he just got injured early on. I think he tore something in both knees mm. when he was with the Chiefs. I think, but yeah, you're right. That was so that was 2020. So it wasn't, wasn't that long ago. So you know, yeah, 33. All of that, all of, all of those things are true. But um, I'm just saying. <laughs> Did you know? And, and and on on the cornerback front too, uh, not to say that it's a good thing that Kyle Fuller got hurt because obviously it's not. But going forward, because the the Ravens they're going to have to make a decision at the end of this year with Marcus Peters because he's going to be a free agent. Mm -hmm. And what this will force them to do is get a lo good long looks at Brandon Stevens, at um, Pepe Williams. At Jalen Armar Davis, you know now they'll these guys will get these extended looks in, you know, big time games and big time situations, and it'll force the Ravens to see what they have in these young these young dudes that are that are going to be thrown into the fire now. Yeah, man, dude, were y'all surprised that Armar Davis? I didn't even think he'd be active for the game, let alone play in the we, game. <laughs> we spoke about that in the the prediction show where I, I said I remember saying. This dude might be put on pup because he hasn't practiced, he hasn't played, yeah. and it was weeks where we didn't hear anything about him. And week one, he's out there running around on special teams. I was like, oh, snap, number five. I was like, damn, yeah. I couldn't believe yeah. it. See, that was my first thing because I saw number five, and I'm like, who the hell is that? <laughs> Hollywood came back. I forgot what number he was. <laughs> <laughs> but he even uh, – 
know, Armour Davis even got three snaps on defense. It was like towards the end of the third quarter there. He got out there for a couple snaps on defense as well, too. But like Chris was saying, I don't even remember them talking about him practicing leading up to the game. Right. <laughs> Who's this dude in the game? But he got out there. Pepe got out there for some snaps. So to your point, Chris, yeah, you're going to get a chance to see these guys. And and Denard talked about this on the fire zone the other day. He said, "Look, uh, they faced 62 dropbacks. You know, yeah. <laughs> Joe threw 59 times. Uh, and so he's like, that's a lot of tape. You know, to coach. He's he made a couple different points about it, but one of them was like, you know, that's a lot of tape to be able to coach off of." For these guys, you know, in certain situations and say, okay, hey, we played this this way. Maybe we want to do it a little bit differently next time. Or, hey, no, this was good. You played this perfectly. You know, keep, you know, keep, keep playing it like that. Um, and, you know, Denard's a huge uh, Brandon Stevens fan, was like right from the draft. And he didn't even, he didn't really watch him play in college or anything like that. But he looked at some film, like the time that he got drafted. I think we watched like one or two SMU games and he's like, yeah, this guy's going to be a, he, he's going to have a role like as a rookie. He's going to play in every game. <laughs> I was like, I, you know, he's like, this guy's a corner. He moves like a DB. He's like, I don't care that he played running back. He looks like a DB. He moves like a DB. He's aggressive. And like you both have mentioned, he's got those natural playmaking instincts, right? You can put, we talk about all the time, you can put guys, coaches can put guys in position to make plays, but they can't make the plays for uh, He goes out and he makes plays and I live with some of the penalties because, like you said, Kerry, he's aggressive. So I live with that. You know what I mean? Chris and I had talked about this, you know, like around draft season, looking at DBs, and we, we kind of were talking about it with Anthony Avery. So no, no shade to Double A, man. You know, Double A was, was was a solid dude while he was here, but he was one of those kinds of guys who was playing not to get beat, playing not to make a mistake, right? And sometimes when you do that, you allow a lot of balls to get caught in front of you, and even um, you know, kind of lead to some bigger plays sometimes because you're so cautious that you allow a catch. You're thinking, okay, I'll come up and make a tackle, but you miss a tackle or whatever, take a bad angle, and it turns into a big play. I'll take a guy who's aggressive like Stevens that wants to get his hands on people, <laughs> is always trying to get the ball out. I'll take that, right? I, just my philosophy to, like, defensive back play, that, I like that philosophy. I like guys that are trying to make plays as opposed to playing to not give up plays. It's just me. Um, you're gonna you're gonna lose some when you're aggressive like that. You're gonna get called for some stuff, but you're also gonna make some plays that can change games. So I'll, I'll take that. Uh, so you know, hopefully we'll we'll get to see him continue to do that because I think he'll only he's only gonna get better at. It. You know, you do have to. We always have to keep that in mind with him that this dude played running back for what two years in college, the first two years in college before he walked on at SMU and converted to to DB. So, you know, you still got to factor all of that in. And then he comes in his rookie year and he has a role in the defense, not due to injury. He earned that role early in the season. Week one. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's definitely a lot to be optimistic about with the guys, um, you know, who were kind of behind Fuller there, I guess, a little bit. And then, you know, you get Juice Man back too. I mean, there's there's some, some things to be optimistic about there. So, um there was one other thing I wanted to ask you guys about this game before we move on and talk about Miami a little bit. What was it that I was going to ask? Well, oh, why, um, go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say why you think about that. Um, I know people are going to bring up the touchdown that he gave up, but he played that so well. It was just that last part. I don't oh, know man. what the hell he did with his hands. But <laughs> that uppercut. I don't know what the hell he was trying to do. You seen that in the gym? They do that in the gym. <laughs> I was just like, I, he but he played it so well. If you look back at the clip, it's he. It was beautiful the way he played that. It was just that last moment where he yeah. just. I don't know. He had like a glitch in his head, <laughs> and uh, but I think the next time we'll see the the proper technique used. But uh, I. Hats off to him because that was a really impressive play, even even though he allowed the touchdown. But uh, yeah, I know people will bring that up, but that that was a good play by him. Yeah, just you know, like you said, when when the ball got there, kind of how he was trying to play it looked looked a little little funky, <laughs> but just the awareness to be in position because he had to switch. There was a switch on that because Conklin was, I think, lined up inside some or however they were aligned. I'm, I'm not sure if it was an inside out thing or they switched once they released. I can't quite picture how it happened now, but. Um, it was something that he had to see and say, hey, no, I got to stay out here. 
because this route's coming to me. I know, even though the guy looked like he was you know, maybe going to be running something inside or he was lined up inside. So just the awareness to know that that, you know, was coming and to be out there. And then, like you said, just kind of one of those bang, bang, bangs um, when the ball arrives. I think he'll 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 definitely be able to make a play on the ball in the future because, he'll again, like Denar was saying, a lot of good situations to teach from in this game. Um, and he's like, you know, that that's not always the case where you get the where you, you win a game. And you still have a bunch of situations that you can use to teach and, and make some corrections for us. A lot of times when you're talking about, you know, hey, we got a lot to teach off of it's because you lost. <laughs> but, you know, in this case, they won the game uh, and still have some opportunities to kind of work on some things. Um, I think the thing that I was going to ask about was something about Mike McDonald. I think it came back to me now. But um, that thing about how many times Flacco dropped back, we talked about this on the fire zone. I did not notice. I just thought it was kind of kind of cool to, to hear what these games actually were when we went back and looked at it. So Flacco, it, it, those pass attempts, 59, it was tied for the second most in his career, right? He, I think he had 61 in one other game. But other than that, that was the second most pass attempts um, in his career. So I was like, all right, let me take a little look back and see how many times he really was like, you know, having games where he had a lot of pass attempts. So I dropped it down. I dropped the filter down to 50. I didn't say 59. I went all the way down to 50. Yeah, 17 games in his career where he had 50 or more pass attempts. He only won three of those games. So check this out. One of them was Arizona in 2011. I didn't remember that game, but Denard did. He was like, yeah, it was a comeback game. They got down quick to Arizona, like 24-3 or something like that, and then they stormed back in the second half, and they won. The other two I did remember before I even looked them up, just when I saw when it was and who the opponent was. The other one was the Minnesota snow game with the five touchdowns in the last two minutes. Was it the Bucks one? Huh? The Bucks one? No, the Vikings. Oh, the, Bi- was, oh, the Vikings. Right? Yeah, where they had all those touchdowns oh, yeah. in the last two minutes. Marlon Brown touchdown. Marlon Brown touchdown. And the other one was San Diego that went to overtime. Hey, diddle, diddle. Oh, there we go. Man. So those were the only three games that he won where he had 50 or more pass attempts. So typically we talked about that because Denar was saying, hey, you, you you get an opposing quarterback to drop back 62 times, you probably got a pretty good chance of winning that game uh, when you have a guy dropping yeah. back that. So, um, you know, he said, this is kind of what this, so this is going to tie into my question, which was kind of going to be, what did you think about the way Mike McDonald sort of approached that game. We talked about some of the specifics, like the D line and you know secondary and even the linebackers. We talked about Queen, but Denard's thing was, if you look at Flacco's stat line, it doesn't look that bad aside from the sacks. Over 300 yards, a touchdown, pretty decent completion percent. I think he was under 60, but he was like 57, 58. But he said, think about that. This guy gave up, you know, you you gave up a 300 yard passer and you won 24 to nothing. He said, this is, this is the defense. This is what it's going to be, right? Get a lead. Let those dudes up front go hunt. Play zone coverage. Keep everything in front of you top down. Rally, tackle the ball. Get in windows. Get picks. Get tips. He's, this, is, this is it. This is, <laughs> this is what it's going to be as opposed to, you know, balls to the wall, sell out, send a bunch of numbers, leave dudes out there in man coverage by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a, a different philosophy. So I wanted to ask you both, and I'll start with you, Kerry. What did you think about that from a from a philosophical standpoint? Because he was in a position where he could have just let the dogs out, and he did send some pressures. They did send a couple five or six man pressures, but I mean, he could have got crazy, crazy like Wink would get at times, but he really didn't because I don't think that's his philosophy as a defensive player. Yeah, the. The word that kept coming to me, uh, especially during the rewatch, when I rewatched the defense, the word that just kept coming to me was adaptable. This is a coach that's going to adapt to what's going on in the game. Um, Sometimes, you know, it's hard. It's hard because, you know, this is a. Um, a ego-driven sport, you know, you got the best of the best. You got, you know, just alpha males all around. But sometimes you got to take the ego out of it. And that's what he did. He took the ego out of it. And so he was aggressive when he needed to be. Um, But there was times where, you know, like you say, you just sit back and kind of just let the game um, 
come to him. And I think it's a great compliment for um, the offense and eventually what the offense wants to do, which is, you know, be a, a power running football team. You know, we have some pieces that need to get back in place um, before that um, running game is as prolific as we're used to. But I think once the that gets kind of sharpened up and guys come back, I think what his approach is going to be so, so beneficial for uh, the offense because you jump on him, you get a lead, and he's a guy that is going to do what it takes to keep the lead. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to sit back, um, you know, and, and court us coverage the whole game because you saw he was aggressive. He mixed stuff um, up. You know, he, he like we say, blitz Mar- um, Marcus Williams. He blitzed Queen, I think it was, 13 times. Yeah. So, you know, he's bringing pressure, yeah. but he also knows when to sit back and force the offense to beat you. You know, he understands those situations where um, it's not advantageous uh, to send a, a bunch of guys, you know, make the offense, you know, beat you. You know, there was never a time watching that game, not even a snap to me, where I felt like Joe Flacco and the Jets offense dictated in any way to this Ravens defense. Never once did it look look like that. And And – for that to be his first game, yes, against a guy that wasn't supposed to be the starter coming in and the Jets haven't been the greatest team. But for your debut to look like that, to look that dominant, to look to have a uh, over 10 year veteran, um, you know, look as uncomfortable as he looked at times. Um, that to me is a huge win. And like I said, it's it's complimentary football. You know, he's complimenting his offense, um, you know, perfectly. Yeah, we're, we're going to hear a lot about, you know, the I'm doing the air quotes, it was the Jets um, and some of the injuries and stuff that they were dealing with. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of give our thoughts, I guess, on the flip side of that as we get ready to, to get into this Dolphins game. But before I do, I want to get Chris's thoughts on that question, just kind of what you thought about McDonald's kind of philosophy to how he called that game. But, but I also got to give you your credit. Because when we did our ceiling and important player show, Devin DuVernay was your ceiling player on offense. And sure as hell, did he <laughs> set a ceiling <laughs> in that game with two touchdowns. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, real quick on, on DuVernay, you know, it, it was looking very anemic in the first half. Um, I, I think we saw their preseason in that first half. And I think if you look around the NFL, you saw that with a lot of offenses, not just the Ravens, where that first half was that preseason game for them. And then in the second half, you kind of see them get back into it, and it's like, all right, we're comfortable now. We know what we're doing. And uh, to see Devin DuVernay win that ball, that 50-50 jump ball in the end zone, it just made my heart flutter, like, because (laughs) – the fact that Lamar threw that and trusted him to come down with that is so big because we know Lamar, he's a big trust guy. And no pun intended. Literally. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if he does not trust you, he will not pull the trigger and throw a ball like that when, when you're covered in the way that Duvernay was covered. And for Duvernay to come down with it, I think going forward, it could be something where, you know, it'll be in Lamar's mind, like, I know that guy could go win that ball if we need him to. And uh, hopefully it's something that can build on, because I know when I spoke last week about it, um, I talked about how, you know, Duvernay's coming off of the Pro Bowl as a returner, and, you know, that does something to your confidence, where you know you're the best in the world at something in, in this league. And now it's time to build off of that and say, okay, I'm one of the best returners in the NFL. Now I want to be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And uh, I think it's it's important for him to, to get off to this start because like we've said so many times, confidence is so important at the wide receiver position. It's important for every position, but we've seen wide receivers break over the years. And uh, I think Rashad Perriman was a perfect example of that where he just 
there was so much going on in his life, and then the football field wasn't working for him, and we just saw him mentally break when it came to playing football for Baltimore. And uh, and I'm a big thing, like I'm a big proponent of that, making sure your guys have that confidence. And and that that's why I was so happy about the Bateman touchdown because he was he wasn't having the best game, and his body language was a little off. And after that touchdown, it's like, all right, now, you know, now we got those juices going where he's like, yeah, I'm Rashad Bateman. You know, I'm I'm that dude. And the same thing with DuVernay. Like, you you want these guys to exude that confidence and, and just get those levels up. But um, your original question was uh, Mike McDonald. So let me get to the Mike McDonald okay. thing. So Mike McDonald, I was very impressed with just what he asked of that front seven to just attack um, it's it's more it, it felt more like a like that Green Bay style where they're just letting these dudes hunt, and it's not in a reckless way. Obviously, that you you have your responsibilities, but it's being being in your responsibility or being in your gap on your way to the quarterback, and that's something that we have not seen. We have not had. And just to watch those dudes, and and like I said earlier, with that, with that um, energy that they brought, and that tone setting that they had, that was so important. And it just felt like they had the the handcuffs off, and they were like, "All right, we're not restricted. We can actually do what we need to do to get to this quarterback." And uh, that made me so happy. And Malik Harrison was flying around, you know, PQ was flying around, had a very impressive game. Um, I know, you know, we mentioned him earlier, but Coach Evans had a lot of good clips of, of Patrick Queen. So uh, go check that out on Coach Evans' uh, timeline. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's very encouraging to see because PQ and, and Malik Harrison, we were big fans of those guys. And their careers haven't really gone off to the start that, that we would have liked to. But the year three, I think, with, with Mike McDonald, a guy who's familiar with them, who was here when they were rookies, who was their coach, and then now they have him as their DC, and they have Zach Orr in, in that uh, linebacker room. I, I'm expecting big things from them, and, and I think they'll be used correctly, and, and and in a way that you know, the Ravens had hope that they they would perform on the field. So I, I was very excited about it. Yeah, something. Uh... You know, for people in the fantasy space, fantasy football space, uh, have heard Sigmund Bloom talk about for years, assumption of rational coaching. <laughs> you know, for, you, you think that these guys are going to use players to their strengths and put them in positions to do the things that they do uh, the best. And sometimes that doesn't happen. And then you're watching it and you're scratching your head. And you're like, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. How come they're asking him to do that yeah. when he's really better at this? I mean, part of what I think really makes PQ who he is, is his aggressiveness and his kind of, you know, desire to want to be on the attack all the time, right? Now, sometimes it can be overzealous, right? We've seen him kind of really bite hard on something. But to me, it's like if you know you have a guy and that's kind of how he wired, that's kind of how he's wired, that's his play mentality, let's rush that guy. Let's get that guy some rushes where it doesn't have to be a read situation. All right, let me read something and then figure out, am I I coming up? Am I going back? No, just go get the quarterback. Use that aggressiveness, use that attacking mindset, and go get the quarterback. You're fast, you're explosive, just get in there and go do it. And he did some of that his rookie year. They had him do some of that, and then he kind of went away. Um, But I was glad to see it come back because I think he's a good blitzer, number one. I think he's hard to deal with, um, especially for running backs, but even against offensive linemen because he is so fast. So, um, you know, I I think he's, he's an asset in that part of the game. Um, but yeah, man, I was, uh, you know, y'all know I love defense and I love the running game. So I could go on and on about defense running game. You know, I would say that might be one, one area where I, I'm a little bit concerned about coming out of it, but not, not concerns probably too strong of a word because I, I thought about it as I was like charting the run plays. And I was like, all right, think about all the, the new parts you got here. You got a new center. Yeah. You got a new right tackle. You had a new left tackle, and then you had another new left tackle. Uh, <laughs> a left guard who's played for you, but you had a bit of a left guard rotation. Uh, and then throughout this preseason, he didn't play left guard at all. 
in any of the preseason games, I, I assume only in practice. Um, and then you got a running back that just showed up here uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it, when I looked at, at all of that, as I was kind of going through and charting and making my little notes, like, uh, you know, this didn't look like they quite did this right. Maybe had a missed assignment here, a little bit of confusion. It only made sense when you said, you know, you've got all of these kind of new elements going on here. And this is the first time in a game situation, in game conditions, where it's real, um, that they all are together as a group and having to execute these things. So, you know, that, to, I, initially I was like, man, I don't know about this. But then I thought about that stuff and I was like, you got to give that time, you know, yeah. especially the run game, this run game. Yeah. Because there's a lot of component, there's a lot of levels to it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, so we can spin it forward now. I think we've, we've, uh, we kind of did everything we wanted to do talking about that Jets game. Spin it forward to the Dolphins, the home opener. You know, Tua and the and the Tua Nine and the and the Yactory coming into the game <laughs> <laughs> this week. And uh, you know, the first thing that I think we all think of and we saw a lot of conversations on Twitter today was the game last year, Thursday night football game, where, you know, the Dolphins and Brian Brian Flores, you know, had those guys that all those cover zero looks. I'm not even going to take us down that rabbit hole, but all the cover <laughs> zero looks in those pressures uh, that they sent where, you know, the Ravens really didn't have, you know, as I just said, it was a Thursday night football game. They didn't have a ton of time to prepare to prepare for that. And, you know, Lamar talked about that, his presser today, where he kind of acknowledged, like, yeah, you know, it's not that we didn't, we don't prepare for, you know, zero blitz and, and all out pressures and that kind of stuff, but the way that they do it is a little bit different. And we didn't have a lot of time to work on what they do. Um, now they've had a whole offseason. And you know this had to be uh, something that they thought about. I mean, Harbaugh said it today. He was like, you know, it would have been mal- <laughs> malpractice or whatever he called it, gross oversight, if they didn't work on the stuff uh, that they saw in that game and came out of that game. So uh, I'll start with you, Kerry. Uh, again, open run, man. Go wherever you want to go. But w- what do you think about this matchup? looking back at last year and kind of how it went, but then spinning it forward because I think a lot of their defensive staff is the same. I know Flores is gone, but I know the the DC is still there and some of the other defensive position coaches, but then you got McDaniel and all of that speed on the other side of the ball. Um, So so what do you see um, kind of heading into this matchup? Yeah, that was going to be my first point um, is when you look at um, their defense you know, Flores is gone, but they kept a lot of that staff. So they would be idiots not to <laughs> leverage what they were able to do last year and bring that into the game plan this year when you're talking about dealing with a quarterback as, as dynamic as Lamar is. So definitely expect to see a lot of those same looks. Uh, it'll be up to the Ravens to, uh, you know, make those adjustments and prove that they can uh, handle those covers zero uh, um, well, fake cover zero looks. I guess we will, we'll say that. <laughs> so that's going to be something that's going to be uh, important, something that, you know, we're all going to be looking at, um, you know, that's going to be an area of, of growth that we, that you want to see. Um, as far as the Miami offense, like you said, that yaktory, man, I was thinking about, um, forgot when it was in the game, but, uh, Last week, Garrett Wilson got loose on the sideline, made a few yeah. guys miss. Yep. And I'm like, well, you got that <laughs> double time coming next week <laughs> with with Tyreek and with Waddle. So, you know, they're they going to have to be on, on high alert. Um, and, you know, this is an offense where uh, it's just designed to create space for, for these guys. I mean, these guys are going to be dangerous regardless just because of how talented they are. But then you got an offense that's designed to create space for them to have opportunities. So it's going to be an interesting test for McDonald. Uh, it be interesting to see kind of what he, he dials up. Um, Denard made a good point on the, um, on the fire zone show, how he, um, took away the middle of the field in that Jets game. And so you wonder how he incorporates that with, um, you know, this offense 
and 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 you know because a lot of this is you know in breaking stuff deep crossers things like that um is how they're getting big plays and also you know some of the um kind of scheme touch stuff um but you know it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of attacks it um so i'm i'm just i'm just interested all around man i'm just a, a really really um uh interesting matchup um because the, you know they're a team that's that's got some stuff to prove too you know they got a quarterback they're trying to um uh, prove that you know he is a, a high caliber quarterback um and so you know it's going to be interesting they you know they got a test on their hands too so uh, you know i'm just really really intrigued with this matchup yeah, you ain't lying about uh <laughs> that yak situation with Tyreek and, and Jalen Waddle. I saw that that Waddle touchdown. I mean, you get that ball and fit it in there, and he's got a crack of daylight. You're not catching. That's all it takes. You're not catching him. <laughs> we know you. We know you're not catching Tyreek. We've seen them as they've played the Chiefs over the last few years, so we know what that looks like. So at least they have some familiarity with him. Um, you know, from a personnel standpoint, I know he's in a different scheme, but it's definitely going to be one of those games where. You know, you can talk about taking good angles and talk about good tackling technique, and that's the stuff that you're supposed to say. But you're just going to have to, like, have multiple guys to the ball, to those guys in those situations uh, to kind of have help and to play to your help and kind of bite, almost like on special teams, like a punt. Like, you're going to have to, like, vice these guys with at least two guys, maybe even have three guys. Because when guys are that fast, I remember Matt Bowen saying this about playing Michael Vick. Uh, no matter what angle you took, it wasn't good enough because he was that fast. It didn't matter how good your angle was because you don't run 4-2. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> so in order to sort of mitigate that, you better have multiple guys in position uh, to try to kind of, you know, create that double team vice look when, it, you know, you're, you're approaching the tackle and say, all right, you got him outside, I got him inside, and then maybe get a third guy there too and say, hey, Casey gets one of y'all. I got you <laughs> too. So, uh, you know, that's the thing you try to do on defense all the time. You're trying to have as many bodies to the ball as possible, but that, that's going to be particularly important with these guys. Chris, I'll come to you. Uh, what do you think about this matchup? Um, you know, with the Ravens having more time to prepare for it. And then, um, and Miami did not run the ball very well in that game last week either. I mean, they, they, they got the, their guys at wide receiver, but, um, you know, and, and then their tackles possibly injured. Right. Both. Yeah, both. Right. Both tackles, Teron Armstead and Austin Jackson. What do you think, man? What do you? What do, you, do we have the same supreme confidence going into this one, or how do you feel about it? I do. I do. Okay, um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I watched the the game against New England, and I thought New England they moved the ball pretty well on them early on in that game, and then you know the the turnovers came. Uh, but I, I felt like that that New England offense, they they didn't really get shut down in my opinion. They're just sorry. Like mm. they're they're not a good offense. But I didn't I didn't see the Miami Dolphins really shutting them down. They were able to move the ball. It was just Mac Jones turning the ball over. Um and uh Xavier Howard, I think it was Xavier Howard who made a great play in the end zone where he tipped the ball and then Javon Holland was able to to catch it uh, in the end zone, like that was just a, a great great play, and um, but they do have dudes on the line, you know they they have um, the kid out of Miami, uh, I forget his name, uh, Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips, there we go. They got him. They they got some dudes coming off off the line. Uh, it's similar to the Jets, you know, where the Jets have a whole bunch of young dudes. It's the same in Miami. But uh, and then you throw in Xavier Howard too, and and Javon Holland, who's you know becoming one of the best safeties in the league. So uh, it's not like their their defense is you know uh, a bunch of scrubs or anything like that. But uh, I do think the Ravens have something that they want to prove in this game, and uh, just you know take like I said, take into account that game from last week against the Patriots. I didn't see a, a defense that was smothering or was just overwhelming uh, at all. It was just uh, more of the ineptitude of the Patriots offense than than anything else. And I think the Ravens will come in. They have better weapons. 
Uh, they have a better offensive line. Uh, it, they're not, they haven't gelled yet, but I, I do believe this is a better offensive line that they'll be facing uh, than they did last year uh, when, when they played that Thursday night game. So, uh, yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty confident that they'll be able to. And, and you know, they, they'll have the, the secondary. Maybe MP will be back, too. So um, I, I'm, I'm supremely confident that they'll be able to, to get it done. Yeah, their defensive line, you mentioned some of the guys, the Dolphins defensive line. I talk about this with Cole, Cole Jackson, two guys watching football. Check that out. Like, subscribe, click that notification, all that good stuff. Um, there are no weeks off in the NFL, right? When you're looking at it from an offensive line perspective and the defensive line matchups that you have every week. Because um, you talked, we, we know about the guy from the guys from the Jets game. We talked about that going in, and, and we saw some of those guys, you know, do their thing too. And then we saw some of these guys from the Dolphins last year, and they're back, and they've added Melvin Ingram. So we've seen Ogba, we've seen Christian Wilkins, we've seen Zach Sealer. We know what he was when he was here. He's developed into a damn good player down there. Um, who else? I said Wilkins, Ogba, Sealer, Phillips. She talked about Phillips. And then, like I said, they, they, they got Melvin Ingram. You know, we know what he's been in this league, um, and, you know, they're using him. The way that I that I think you would want to with a vet, you know, pass rusher like that, you know, you're not going to overload him, but you're going to use him, you know, situationally, kind of lot high leverage situations. And he's um, not he's not missing any meals either. <laughs> he, he, he put on some he put on a few LBs. I saw that. I was like, okay, yeah, he, 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 he might be looking to play on the interior a little bit more. <laughs> you know, get in there on top of some of them yards. Maybe take on some double teams in there, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be it should be a good matchup. But I like you, Chris. I, I do feel confident about it because I think that the Ravens um, are a better team. I think if if you, if you just you know look at it that simply, I think they're the better team. The better team doesn't always win in the NFL. We know that because uh, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that can happen in games because. Um, like somebody told me once before uh, about, I guess, NFL football, I could apply to any football. Um, you don't have to be better. You just got to be better that day. <laughs> so that's 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 all that it takes. Uh, and, and we've seen that in some instances with the Ravens going into games where we all felt like, OK, yeah, they, they're going to go in here and take care of this. And then I think people felt like that with that Miami game last year. Like, even though it was on short rest, I think people felt, you know, the Dolphins hadn't hit that 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 stretch yet where they won eight of their last nine. They, they were kind of on the other side. They had a stretch where they had lost a bunch of games. Yeah. I think people felt like, all right, Ravens going to go in here. Yeah, short rest, but they're going to take care of this. And then, you know, when you get – we see this from the Ravens' perspective with defenses. When you get them on short rest and you've not seen this scheme before on offense, it's hell. I mean, it's hell on you if you do see it. It's, it's really hell on you with Lamar and all the different stuff that they can do when they're healthy when you don't see them regularly, like you're an out-of-conference team and it's a Thursday night game or something, I mean, it, it is absolute hell on you. <laughs> so similarly with a scheme, like what the Dolphins do, like, yeah, everybody runs some, you know, zero blitz, cover zero pressure looks, fake cover zero. I like that tag. Uh, <laughs> everybody runs some of those looks, but they're really committed to it. Like, I mean, they're not just like sprinkling it in. It's what they do. And they're good at it, and the players really understand how to execute it. So I think that is what makes them a little unique. It's not like nobody else does it. But I don't know that too many other teams do it with the level of commitment that they do <laughs> to it. So you got to be ready for it uh, at all times. And I think the Ravens will have a good plan. I think they'll have a better plan for it this year. And then, you know, hey, I'm an execution disciple, so that's what it's going to come down to. <laughs> it's going to come down to executing <laughs> Uh, that plan, no matter how good it is, uh, like Tyson said, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, everybody's got that plan until they get hit. So, you know, we're going to get an opportunity to see what they do at the bank. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on about that game or about the Ravens? Or um, are we, we we feeling good for this show? Feeling good. Um, hoping to get MP back uh, this week. Uh, he went through a whole rocky workout at uh, MetLife Stadium <laughs> pregame. So uh, I'm hoping this is uh, a, the ramp up, and 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 uh, I really hope he's back because he's 
been one of my favorite players in the league since he got since he got drafted. So I'm excited to get him back. I know, you know, the whole Ravens flock is excited to get him back because once he's on the field, it's a whole different energy. And the way the energy that this defense had in week one, if you add MP to that, it's it's crazy levels, it's crazy levels, and, and and I'm ready for it. I saw the post game uh, clip from Marlon IG <laughs> on the train. <laughs> he he is in he is in regular season MP. <laughs> Get that shit out of my face. <laughs> as Mar as Marlon is going around trying to put guys on IG MP, not having it. Uh, so you know he's he's back to his uh, <laughs> his regular season form. And I asked Denard about that about the running them steps, man. When they posted that clip on Twitter, I was like, "Hey, man, you ever run steps before a game and play?" He was like, "No." <laughs> he he kind of hit me when he shared that clip. He was like, "He's not today. <laughs> he's doing all of that." Uh, but yeah, it'll be good. Uh, hopefully, he can get back. You know, and, and, Jake. And, and, and yeah, you was about to say JK. JK, yeah. yeah. Yeah, hopefully J.K.'s back because it sounded like he was looking good today, moving around well. Um, NFL chick Rita was out there practicing from from you know from from her eyes and her lips. She said, "Hey, look good to me." Watched him in all his drills. Looked like he's moving around really well, really fluidly. And she got popcorn. Lamar didn't get popcorn to a lot of people, but she got popcorn. Jonas ain't getting no popcorn. <laughs> but Rita, Rita got some popcorn. <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's good to have somebody out there who I feel like a lot of Ravens Twitter trusts. You know, she's got a track record, uh, you know, is a good source of information. A lot of times get stuff before a lot of other people get it. And uh, so I, I trust when she's out there and she's saying what she sees. Um, Gary, what about you? Any, anything else? Or are you, you, you feeling good? Yeah, I feel pretty good, man. One thing I'll say, um, I don't think that any of us picked Justin Matabike for most important or ceiling setter. And so he heard that and was like, oh, okay. All right. All right. Watch watch this. Yeah, and, watch this. You know, I'm, I'm just going to turn into Reggie White right in front of your eyes. Because <laughs> that man was out there dominating. I mean, he was on a mission. He was on an absolute mission. And unfortunately for Lagan Tomlinson, he was the one that happened to be in his way to accomplishing that mission. <laughs> and he, he didn't run around him. He ran right through him. Right through him. Right through him and took him, uh, took Lakin along with him on the way to Joe Flacco's lap. So it was uh, <laughs> it was an impressive thing to see. And like Chris said, everybody got in on it, right? Obviously, he had some splash plays. Houston had some splash plays. But Campbell was in there. Bronner Washington was in there. Michael Pierce was in there. Uh, you know, Brent Urban, you know, I, I, he might not have had splash plays, but he's probably in there doing his thing. And, you know, we didn't talk about Owe. We, this is the last thing that we, we, we should probably mention because Denard talked about that, too. He said, look, they probably asked him to play a little bit of a different role in that game. Why Bowser is out. He's probably having to do a little bit more of that kind of stuff. And I think we saw him drop. I don't know how many times. I don't, I don't think it was a ton, but. Uh, he dropped a handful of times. And so he said, you know, we're seeing him do kind of some of that Sam dirty work, right? Where you got to drop, you got to set the edge on a run game, you know. And he said, until Bowser gets back, you might not see him just be in as many of those like tee off and just go hunt the quarterback situations. He'll get some for sure. But he might also have to do some of that other stuff until Bowser gets back. But one thing I noticed with him is like early on, he was losing his footing. He was slipping a little bit. He ended up changing his cleats. I was watching the film. And I was like, okay, he had these little white like turf shoes on. And he had tried to work like a little cross chop move where he kind of landed the move. But then when his foot stuck and hit the ground at the top of the move, he slipped and fell down. And um, Quan was just able to kind of like, you know, stab him to the ground. So I think, I think, I think he came back with them black cleats. <laughs> after that <laughs> and I, I don't remember him slipping anymore after that but I, I showed a clip where he had a nice little rush nice little spin move uh and Broderick Washington actually got a, a pass deflection at the line of scrimmage there because OA beat Max Mitchell um you know just to do Max Mitchell <laughs> and hit, hit him with that little inside spin move and it pulled the guard off it pulled AVT Elijah Vera Tucker off of Washington because he's like oh I gotta go help my buddy out over here 
And then Broderick Washington was able just to kind of come in and get his hands up and knock the ball down. So I think, you know, OA did some stuff in that game that doesn't necessarily show up as a stat, but, you know, it contributed to other people's success and to the overall defensive success. So don't, you know, if you're like, ah, oh, you know, it's great to hear about the defensive line, but, you know, what happened to Owe? He kind of kind of was quiet in that game. The sacks are coming. I don't have any I don't have any concern about that. The sacks are coming. The pressures are coming. We know they come in bunches. Uh, I, I think you're going to see a game where it's like a splash game and you're going to be like, OK, you're going to have like two, two and a half sacks or something. You're like, Yeah, see, this is what we were waiting for. It's there. You know, it's just sometimes when you're in some of these other roles, like Denard said, it can be hard to kind of get in that pass rush rhythm when you're having to do some other stuff. So I think they'll get him there. Um, I don't have any concerns about that. And that's the other thing. When Bowser comes back, I mean, we're talking about these other guys who are closer to coming back. Travis Jones, another guy we didn't even talk about. He was practicing today. And, you know, we've been, we've been shouting out Denard a lot because he's right about a lot of this stuff. But he told me um, during the Jets game, he said if, if Jones practices this week coming up, he'll probably play next week. He said they'll probably want him to come back and, and get a week of practice in this week. He said, I don't expect to see him against the Dolphins but probably the following game. He said, I would, I would probably expect to see him in there. So, man, if, if the defensive line continues to play at the level we saw against the Jets and you add that dude back in, further down the line, you're going to get guys like Bowser back. Who knows what you get from Ajabo if he comes back this year at all. But if he does later in the season, you throw that into the mix. I mean, it can get crazy. <laughs> what they're going to be able to do on defense. So when everybody stays healthy and, you know, you, you get the play to kind of stay at the level that, that we just saw, um, it could get real crazy. So lots to be excited about. But I guess we'll go ahead and close this thing out. Um, you know, another good show. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. You know, as usual, like, subscribe, turn on that notification button so you never miss an episode because you just never know. I mean, we're doing good this year. I mean, for real, for real. We're doing good in terms of <laughs> Uh, how regularly we're getting episodes out. But still, you don't want to have to be, you know, wondering or asking. Just hit that notification button. And it, you know, you always know uh, when we're putting content out. So we appreciate everybody. Um, and we really do. I mean, we were talking about this before the show, kicking around some ideas to uh, kind of get you guys more involved in, in different ways that you can participate and interact with the show. That's because we care, man. We care about this audience. We appreciate this audience. A lot of people have been rocking with us from the very beginning, you know, for four years ago. So we got that core group that uh, we really appreciate and are, are grateful, you know, for, for their support. So keep doing what y'all do, man. And uh, till next time, y'all be good out there. We getting up out of here. Deuces.